last time on Join the Party. It's the seafaring adventure you've all been waiting for. I've never liked the sea. Buck up, Johnny. We got a pirate captain. You call me Captain Alexandra. I'm here to set you straight. Mind control. You look over to the captain, and her eyes glaze over. And marine polymorphing. And everyone knows you can't arrest an octopus. I mean, I guess only two of the arms are manacled anyway. Don't worry, y'all. Your favorite party people made it safe and sound. Guys, I just parallel parked a ship. Water, water everywhere, and not a drop to drink. But we got punched, so it's all good. Let's get the party started. You all steered a ship, and you made it! You have docked the Downeastern Alexa with only minimal damage to the ship on the rocks in the middle of Kiko Lake, and you're now on the island. Do we need to anchor the ship, or is it sufficiently sort of beached? Uh, Captain Alex got that unlocked. Nice. Captain Alex drops the anchor, and you are all set. All right, I'm going to scurry down from the crow's nest where I've been and join the boys on the deck. Captain Alex, what's this? <laughs> all right, it's still stormy. You guys got to touch the sphere to get it just all to stop. The water weird is still very unhappy with us. And if you look out on the tide, it's still coming in pretty, pretty hard. Do we see the sphere or we just like assume it's out of place? Yeah, well, why don't you all make a perception check? Well, uh, that was a crit fail on Anara's part. Anara is blinded by lust. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Accurate. And a storm. What'd you guys get? I got a 21. I got a a non-natural 20. All right. You two both see a glittering light at the same time. It's about 200 yards forward, right in the middle of the island. The island is actually, is pretty small. And it's fairly deserted. There doesn't seem to be any danger that I'm able to notice. No, it's just windy and still very stormy. Everything seems great and wonderful. Yeah. It's right in the middle of the island. Johnny, do you see that? Yeah, I see it over there. Uh, I'm still tied up here, but if you want to go get it, go for it, man. Okay. Tracy starts walking towards the edge of the boat. Is there like a plank he can walk down to the, or can he just like Inara's already jumping off the front of the ship. (laughs) (laughs) Weren't you blinded by lust? I did. And then I realized how much I want to impress Captain Alex with my athletic abilities. So I'm just going to run off the front of the ship and jump down onto the rocky shore. Uh, Make an acrobatics check Um, I'm going to make a check for that. Thank you, fish. That's a 13. Okay, you jump off the front of the ship. You don't take any damage, but your dismount is not so clean. You have to go into like a tuck and roll to mask the fact that that wasn't that good of a flip. But you do, you land right on the beach. And I'm going to just stand up and like straighten my cloak out and uh, just walk confidently forward. Hey, you could have just used this rope ladder. Come on, Tracy. Uh, Tracy. Spears awaiting. Tracy starts walking down the rope ladder. You guys are so chill for, like, you just survived a storm, yeah, and now sorry. you succeeded. There's no way I'm getting on an island. I'm going to untie my ropes, and I'm just going to, You like... and the ship are just like a spider web right yeah, now. You're I, a symbiotic I, I'm organism. To, I'm just trying to, like, 
breathe for a moment before I start running off to some unchecked island. But y'all do you. It's okay. Let us kids go out and get yes, it. We'll bring it back. Yeah, the old man Fiche here is going to just, <laughs> <laughs> just chill out. Fish and Johnny have become one. <laughs> Tracy's going to walk over to where Anar is and uh, take point. Is it jungle or is it like... I mean, it's really a beach in all directions. Okay, then he's going to start walking towards where he saw the glimmering light. Okay, it's still a storm out. Either the wind is blowing, the rain is coming down, and the tide is not happy with you. I think we're going to be walking purposefully forward, not running, but trying to get through the storm as fast as we can. And I'm going to keep one hand kind of on Tracy's cloak in case I get buffeted or blown away by the storm. What's their visibility like? I mean, you can see the glinting of the thing off in the distance. I can see the glinting of the thing off in the distance! Follow me! (laughs) Since we've successfully landed, I'd like to dispel light from the masthead, and I'm going to yell out, Tracy! How about you brighten your day up? And I cast light on Tracy. Nice! That was really cool! Good, good saying things! In our wishes that she had sunglasses. <laughs> yeah, Tracy, you're now glowing, and it's a little bit easier for you to go forward. I continue forward. You walk up the beach, and it's like you're walking up a sand dune. It's a little more difficult with the wind and the rain, but you see the glinting come into focus, and it's about the size and shape of a basketball. And one side is glowing gold, and the other side is glowing silver, and it is as if there is a spotlight on it. It is on this pedestal, very Grecian. It's just this ornate pedestal right in the the middle of this island, and it seems like it's the direct center point of everything. Is that an ionic column? A dendric column? It's ionic column, yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Really classy. Yeah, hey, it's just sitting there. Glowing. And I was already touching the sphere. <laughs> <laughs> Tracy gets a little jealous and he also touches the sphere. And nothing happens. What's happening over there? Did you guys touch the glowing sphere thing? Stay in your lane, Johnny! Nothing's really happening! What do I do? Let's let's just grab it and go back. Let's grab it and go back. I bet I have to touch it too. Tracy, lift this up. Let's bring it back to the ship. Okay. Tracy is going to try to lift the sphere. Cool. It's pretty easy to pick up. As soon as you pick the sphere up from the column, uh, the ground begins to shake. And roll for an ish. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as you pick up the sphere, the wind stops blowing. And the rain quickly picks up. And uh, Johnny, you can see from the boat that the tide is starting to calm down and it then becomes a beautiful day. There's not a cloud in the sky. It's almost too blue. You look up and it's just like, there's too much of one color. All of the clouds, all of the wind dispels and it is pretty much a perfect beach day. What is the driftwood situation? If you don't think Inar is going to try to sandboard down this sand dune, you are <laughs> gravely mistaken. You know what? It just so happens there is some driftwood just hanging out right to your left. Awesome. I'm going to grab it, toss it out in front of me, and attempt to sandboard down this dune. DM, am I successful? Man, uh, tell me your style. I am a natural, effortless skater where I'm just going to very casually toss the thing out in front of me and glide elegantly down the sand dune. All right, so let's do acrobatics. 13. (laughs) Um, While she's doing that, I've rummaged through the clothing that was downstairs, found a pair of sandals, and now I have switched to socks and sandals, 
and uh, sun hat so I can enjoy the weather like a real, real dad. Captain Alex looks at you and says, hey, isn't that? Oh, oh, I don't. You, oh, okay, you can have them. Fine. Yes. <laughs> Sock um, sandals and sun hat. Hopefully she doesn't notice her two missing shirts. Anara, you jump on the sandboard and with a little bit of sloping from side to side, you successfully go down the sand dune and you just kind of skitter to a stop at the bottom. Cool. And you kind of like lose your footing at the bottom and like stumble off at the bottom. Yeah, I'm going to do my best to recover and just dust off my cloak like, what? No, not, not, nothing happened. What are you looking at here? Looking good over there, Anara. And I tip my sun hat. Weird shoes, Johnny. It's a style. That's a word for it. Tracy takes his sunglasses out of his pack, puts them on slowly, goes over to a piece of driftwood, pops it up like a skateboard, and gets a drifting. While you're holding the sphere? Yeah. What's your style? I'm goofy, but I'm a street style skater. Okay. I'll do those parks. You also do acrobatics. Oh my God. That's a natural 20. Shut the fuck up. Why are we using these nat 20s on this? Yeah, you slice it up. You just go back and forth. You ollie into a kickflip all while you're holding the sphere over your head. You get to the bottom of the dune and you just kick the board up and you stop and you say cool thing when you hit the bottom. I dune, I dune did it. You, you, oh, no. Oh, no. And, everyone, and everyone just oh. claps. Everyone's like, oh, Tracy, yeah. Oh, World like- star. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you are back at the ship. What do you want to do? Hey, Alex, we got the sphere. Did we just go back to the, to the shore now? Yeah, it seems like it. I mean, it's a beautiful day. It's, let's just carve it up. We could just get, like, tan for a bit. I mean, yeah, you can do whatever you want. I figure that since, you know, you're champions, you want to, like, finish this challenge, but I guess we can do whatever we want. And I was already climbing up the rope ladder. <laughs> Tracy follows, but he yells, Hey, guys, what's the coolest way we could, like, come back? Like, what's the most stylish way to, to enter the port? Well, the way I parked it here was very much a, a Need for Speed style slide, whatever that is. Uh, we can definitely, <laughs> we could definitely do that again. Just like kind of drift it. I love it. Drift to park, and if it crashes, eh, we already have the sphere. Well, you know, I'd really like it if we didn't, you know, crash my boat. But okay, yeah, that's okay. I can do that. That'd be let's sick. Just, let's let's just get going, and then when we when we get to the shore, we can all make a, like a weird face at Greg. How about that? We can practice on, on on the way back over. Oh wait, what are we gonna do about him? Because he totally tried to sabotage us. Let's get going. We'll talk about it on the way back. All right. Uh, am I still at the the wheel thingy? Or is... <laughs> no, you're not. Oh, right. I went to <laughs> Captain, <laughs> Captain Alex puts her hand on your shoulder and says, "Nice going, kid. But you know, this is my ship. <laughs> Please leave." Before we get back going. Your DM has come to reward you. Brando, Amanda, you are now level four. That just means you add a little bit more to your HP and you both get ability score improvement. I'm feeling stronger already. I'm feeling more constitute. Is that a word? Nope. (laughs) Nope. Nope. (laughs) My constitution feels better. You're going to go on a constitutional and add to your constitutional. Exactly. And Fish, you do not get a level up, but you do get... (laughs) Since you spent most of this journey tied to a mast... But you do Whoa, get... Oh, not a mask, the wheel. The <laughs> wheel. But you do get water vehicle proficiency. Because yes. this was kind of a trial by fire. So you can add that to your character sheet. Oh, thank you. Like in uh, World of Warcraft, I have a new title that I can add in front of my name. Captain. Wannabe Captain. <laughs> Wannabe Captain is good. Wannabe Captain, Jotabee Goodlight. I like that. Okay. Make sure you update your business cards. 
Okay, on it. That, that's Jess's name. The title can be anything. It, it's whatever you add to it, man. It's true. I leave the title on my business cards empty, so depending on who I handed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's very yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Contextual, but, you know, efficient. At first stone face, I put best friend. Nice. <laughs> I put that for everyone, actually. <laughs> Everyone's your best friend. I put everyone as best friend. With Captain Alex back of the wheel, she turns the boat around, and you are sailing back to the edge of Kiko Lake, right where you started. I'm going to hang out in the rigging in case uh, she needs me to grab a sail, rope, or anything like that, and just watch her a little bit out of the corner of my eye. I'm at the uh, top of the ship, just kind of like feeling the breeze through my robotic muscle wood fiber <laughs> things. Johnny's laid out on the ship at some point, <laughs> just absorbing the light and the sun and enjoying the beauty and glory that is the return of light in what was once a stormy lake. I got to say, this is pretty delightful. I mean, this is really, really nice. I mean, you can look over at Captain Alex and she's just elated. She's thrown out her red hair and just like laughing into the current. Like her excitement is literally propelling the ship forward. And for a moment, all three of you can't even remember what's happened in the last few days. Johnny, as you're laid out, the wind is kind of just like running over you and you feel the sun truly for the first time in a while. Where do you feel like you are? Johnny's thinking about as always, he's constantly thinking about the light and with the new information he has about the specific darkness that he's fighting, the shadows, he's kind of taking this moment to kind of push that aside actually and enjoy the warmth of the light and think of the first time he was embraced by the light, just focusing on the the goodness in the world. And I think Johnny is very excited at the fact that he'll be able to travel the land on a what seems to be an official business for politics side, and he gets to travel the land in a spiritual side and together being able to do good. And I think that this is a good moment for him to kind of enjoy and excitedly prepare for it mentally. And He's old enough. He ain't afraid of his emotions. He's very happy about it. Anara, from up there in the rigging, you can see the entire sky laid out in front of you. When was the last time you saw this much sky? It was probably a couple years back when her clan camped at sort of like midway up a mountain and she and her older cousins would sometimes go up to the peak to play around before dinner. But she would always be tagging along on someone else's plans and they would sometimes see her tagging behind and, you know, put her up in a tree or or send her home or dunk her in the river or something. And so she's never been somewhere like this alone and on her own merit and with this much kind of agency. And it feels really good. Tracy, you can see fish skipping up in the air nearly high enough for you to grab them right out of the air. And your wonder senses are just on fire. Has it ever been this easy? No. I think Tracy at the front of the boat is... He's always thinking about... He's always thinking about the future. When that time will come for him, when he feels like he has a family and he feels like he's actually part of something. And seeing that school of fish just reminds him of that desire in him. So Captain Alex has definitely steered you, making some cool stunts just to like splash some water up. She's having a great time. She steers the ship close to the shore. She does a a dope like parallel park motion right up to the side of the lake. And Alonzo and the speaker are clapping wildly. Alonzo is like hooping and hollering. And you can see Greg hoppling off with his big cast over one leg. 
before Greg can get too far away, Anara's going to pull the remains of the music box that she grabbed from the cabin, and I'm going to hold it up over my head from my place halfway up the rigging and yell, Hey, hey, Greg, did, did you forget to tell us about this present you left us? And Greg stops hobbling away and he turns around and says, Hey, congr- congratulations, you did it. Good, good job. I have, I have to go do official business things, but, you know, you get the speaker and Alonzo will take care of you. Good job. See you later. I'm really glad that we got through this challenge, but know that next time, sabotaging us means sabotaging Alonzo, and I don't think that'll be a smart move for you. And then I'm going to start dismounting the rigging. Hope your leg heals nicely. Uh, Greg turned around and he starts hobbling back towards the ship and says, yeah, I hope so. I just, I almost died two times in the last two days. So I'm sorry that you had some trouble out on there with the storm, but uh, it's not so easy. Just good job. Tracy takes out his great axe and kind of just like taps it in his hands while he stares daggers at Greg. Nice. Alonzo turns to Greg and says, Greg, what are they talking about? What What is that? Before Greg can retort, Inara's sure. going to jump again off the front of the boat. We can roll for that if you want. No, that's fine. Just okay, great. So I'm going to jump off the front of the boat and land down on the shore, hopefully in like a cool kind of like crouching pose. Sure. Uh, and then just like sure. straighten up really smoothly, kind of toss my hair over my shoulder. I'm trying to get better at the whole like suave dismount. Uh, so yeah, Alonzo totally got that sphere. Uh, really pumped about it. Captain Alex, she was great. Uh, did some cool driftwood moves. I'll teach it to you later. Uh, so what now? And I'm going to look at Greg as I say those things sort of say, like, listen, I'm, I'm saving you here, buddy. Can I roll for persuasion or distraction or something? I, I really want to try to distract Alonzo from this question. Sure. Why don't you do persuasion? That's a 21. Yeah, Alonzo gets kind of caught by your story and says, oh, man, yeah, tell me all about it. What happened? Like, storms I saw from over here, but I didn't really get a good, a good sense. And while you're talking to Alonzo, the speaker walks up to Greg. And you can't really hear what she's saying, but they're talking in kind of a low voice. She's speaking to him for a while. And she tries to, like, take him over to the side. And at once, Greg just kind of explodes. And he says, because I don't want him to go, all right? I don't care about the realm or the stars or the states. We can't all be heroes. And he points over at all three of you and says, you know, you three, you're just people. Everything you do has to be a story to tell later. But no one asked you to be here. I was here first. You could have walked around at any moment, but this is my life. You can take the gold and the glory. That's fine. You know what? Go save the day. Be legends for all I care. Just leave my husband alone. Please. And the speaker gives him a cold look and says, The people need a champion more than a husband needs his partner. Greg, you can go. And Greg, he keeps opening his mouth like he's going to say something else. And at some point, he just makes a huff and turns around and hobbles away. And Alonzo doesn't know what to do. He's looking at everybody, and he just kind of stays. So Dunewood sandboarding is kind of the greatest sport that the realm has ever seen. Uh, 
you just you just pick up just a piece of driftwood that it doesn't have to be totally flat, man. It doesn't have to be any particular proportions. Just big enough for two feet to stand on. A little kid like me, it could be smaller. The speaker big guy holds like Tracy, up. it could be bigger. <laughs> the speaker holds up her hand and says, that yes. sounds wonderful, Nara. And congratulations on behalf of the realm and the states. You did it. You succeeded as it were. You are the security team that we need. Thank you. She tries to put an arm around Alonzo, and it's very awkward. Like, she's never done that before, like, showing anyone else affection. <laughs> Everyone, come, come around, come around. Please, please, please. And she takes you a little bit away from the lake, and there's, like, a little platform up there, like a little raised platform that's, like, somebody made up, and there's a chest with the sign of the concentric states, the triangle with the star inside of it. Just because uh, this was a unconventional challenge doesn't mean we can't have an official ceremony. There's always time for a ceremony. Everyone, come, 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 come here, come here. She goes up to all of you and like kind of straightens you up a little bit. Anara, you're like slouching. She like pushes your back up a little bit. And Johnny, she like moves you right next to Anara. And Tracy, she tries to lead you by the hand just so you're all standing like in a nice row. And she brings Alonzo up into the platform with her and just... <clears throat> You have passed the challenge, and for that we are forever grateful for what you've done for the concentric states. And just as I've promised, uh, here is your reward. She goes into the chest, and she pulls out three velvet bags and kind of presents one to each one of you. And as you take them, each one is filled with 1,000 gold pieces. Hey! Oh, my God. (laughs) That's more money than Tracy's ever seen in his entire life. I don't even know if Anara knows what that is. <laughs> also, I'm picturing the three of us on like school picture day, like awkwardly standing, in, like you two, Johnny and Tracy in the back row, and we just kind of in front of you, like with like a hand, like weirdly positioned on my hip, like, <laughs> This was my entire year's salary as a detective. I don't know if I've ever seen this much money before. We said you would get payment, and this is your payment. You are now employed by the concentric states and... For that, you deserve a fair wage for the perils and dangers and situations that are coming to you in the future. This uh, wage is great, but do you have anything that could help us in our travels to protect Alonzo and complete the quest? The speaker smiles at you and says, well, if you just wait for the rest of the ceremony, we can get to it. Now, it wouldn't be fair for you to be guardians of the realm without giving you some defenses on behalf of all of us here. You might need them when you're out over all of the states, and we picked things that we thought would be perfectly suited for all of you. Alonzo, open open the chest. Alonzo goes over and pops the chest open, and he takes a metallic glove out of the chest. And he says, "Who who is this for, speaker? It says, well, that is for our good friend, Tracy. Tracy, come on up here. <gasps> and Tracy walks up to the platform. And the speaker ceremoniously gives you the glove. And she says, this is the long arm of the law. We think that this will benefit you very well when you're catching criminals out there. Tracy slides the glove on and feels great. Okay, you want to know what it does? I do. So now you do 1d6 unarmed damage when you punch with it. And when you kind of flex your hand properly, the hand comes off of a chain like a flail. And then it unfolds like a grappling hook. 
So here's what you can do. When you have it activated, you can cast it like a fishing line, and it can extend up to 30 feet. Then as a ranged attack, you can grapple somebody. You can then pull it back. You can reel it back up to 15 feet using your move action, or you can do a strength check to reel them all the way in, and that's your action. Trace, Tracy faints. <laughs> he, <laughs> he can't handle the amount of cool this is. Uh, Alonzo comes over and says, wait, I, I was in a uh, robo tech support. I can do this. And he does a hard restart on you. Oh. And he gets Control about- option PR. You yeah. got to reset that NRAM. Like, We've all been there. Yeah, you got to turn it off and turn it on again. It's fine. And you got to get like shoved off the side of the podium because they got to keep going. Alonzo goes back into the chest and he pulls out a cowl. And it is the darkest thing that any of you have ever seen. It's like light comes into it and then it's gone. I immediately like. <laughs> <laughs> ah, the the shadow cowl. I know who this is for. Anara, come on up here. Anara's already on the platform. <laughs> she saw it come out and I'm left like, oh, oh, excuse, oh, excuse me. <laughs> that, that's me. The speaker is surprised. Please don't murder her. Please. I won't. Okay. I have to get the stuff first. Okay. <laughs> nice threat. Um, you know, this fits. It seems like it's exactly your size for our sneaky uh, youngest member of our of our security team. And this is called the Shadow Cowl. Once per long rest, you can become one with the shadow. You gain the ability to leap from one shadow to another. You start from darkness. You have to go into darkness. As a bonus action, you can teleport up to 60 feet into an unoccupied space that's also in darkness. So you what? go from one shadow to another, and you can do this once per long rest. Oh my god. You then have advantage on the first melee attack you gain. I'm long. so excited, and I love to slash hate that I now have a reason to pay attention to the light situation in each room. So <laughs> yes! Johnny and I, are yes! our fates are tied together. It's like yin and yang. It's Although like light and shadow. we are against each other fundamentally. Yep, yep. <laughs> Johnny, um, why don't you make an arcana check? I got a 19 in my arcana check. You take a look at the shadow cowl and you do not feel that great about it. You actually feel like there's some low level necromancy on it. All right. I'm not going to share that information with them though. Sounds good. For, for now. Sure. And as you're staring at the shadow cowl, Alonzo goes back into the chest and he pulls out a lantern. And Johnny, you recognize this thing pretty quickly. The lantern itself is pretty basic. It's like an oil lamp that's made out of wrought iron and looks pretty weighty. But Alonzo can carry it in one hand as he's bringing it over to the speaker. What's inside is there is a fragment of some sort of light that is bouncing all over the interior of the lantern. And you recognize it as a fragment of the undying light. (gasps) The speaker says, we've had this in deep storage for as long as I can remember, but there's never been anyone who can actually use it. And Johnny, we think this would be perfect for you. Johnny kneels in front of the lantern and starts whispering to himself words that he's said many times in praise of the undying light and rises and just clutches the lantern and holds it to his body and kind of turns away from everyone 
to hide the kind of emotion because this is kind of a big deal. I, I would say so. It's been like since he was a, a little kid, has he not had a connection to the Undying Light as strong as this moment? And as you're hugging it, the light inside stops moving and it actually starts to expand. It's about the size of a volleyball now. And it just fits the container of the lantern. Fish. This is called the Bright Lantern. This lantern has a fragment of the Undying Light inside that is usually manifested as an orb of some sort, but it can change color and size at will. So about as small, let's say, as a marble to as large as the volleyball, and you can change it to whatever color you want. You can also pull it out to up to a medium distance away from the lantern, let's say 15 feet. The orb also is just as resourceful as the light is to you. It can heal, it can empower, and it can blind. So you can do three things with the lantern. So you can heal by rolling 1d8 and adding your spellcasting modifier. You can add 1d6 to anyone's attack, saving throw, or check if it gets touched by the light. And you can also use it kind of like as a flashbang. So if you send it within 15 feet away from you, they have to do a con save or they are blinded by the light of the enemies in the area. The orb can be called upon three times per day in all of those three things. You may also stare into the light and spend at least an hour meditating for guidance. Ask it a question or it can reveal maybe something to you in a room or something deep in backstory. The speaker is actually like puts her hand on your shoulder and is trying to like ease you off of the platform. Yeah. <laughs> like Thanks, how you're getting played off the played off the stage. And she finally like just eases you off and sure. gets you back in the line. She said, Mmm, all right. All right. Well, uh, this was kind of the pre-ceremony. Um, take a few hours, uh, get yourselves cleaned up, uh, look as nicely as possible, and meet us on the back lawn for your official champion ceremony. We're going to tell everyone that Alonzo is going out to be the champion on behalf of the concentric states, and you are all uh, his uh, heroic security team. Um, this, we'll see you there. Don't be late. Uh, we'll send someone to come get you. Um, Thank you. This is this is this is wonderful. Truly wonderful. Come on, Alonzo. And she starts to walk back to the castle. And Alonzo, kind of before he goes off and says, "Great job, guys. This is gonna be so much fun." Our, okay. Yeah. And goes off after the speaker. Hey, Amanda here. You know that feeling when you wake up and your room is a little bit chilly, but under the blankets is perfectly warm and you can hear leaves rustling outside your window, and then you realize that you have nowhere to be? This is that cocoon of warmth and no obligations. Welcome to the mid-roll. I am going to cut to the chase here with the most exciting announcement we have made so far. Merch! We have merch, people, and we are so excited. We have two designs by Design Druid Paula at Errol, I R R E L, on Twitter. The Antopolis Sailing School t shirt that Inara stole from Captain Alex last episode. I am so amazed that a funny last minute joke of mine is now actually a t shirt. And a gorgeous illustration of dice and a rule book that says, Invite everyone to the party. 
That is our whole ethos. And I am so stoked to get these designs on tank tops and sweatshirts and pillows for my house. We have phone cases. We have notebooks. We got it all at jointhepartypod.com slash merch. That's jointhepartypod.com slash merch. And you can find a link in the description of this podcast as well. You can also find a link there to Paola's Twitter because you definitely need to follow her. She posts such incredible art. We cannot wait to see what this JTP merch is going to end up looking like. I hope you're as excited as we are. Thank you and welcome to our new patrons, Katie, Holly, Ann, Sally, and Ryan. This week in our patron-only Discord chat room, Renaissance Fairs, and a brand new cooking channel inspired by our fantasy chopped in the last story arc. It's delightful, and if you want to join in on the fun, head on over to patreon.com slash jointhepartypod. And hey, also find us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and Tumblr now. We are at jointhepartypod in all the places. Our Tumblr especially is full of cool D&D stuff. We're recommending artists and other podcasts. It is definitely worth following. Last week, we also published a really gorgeous conversation about D&D as a storytelling tool and our own experiences writing and making other kinds of art on the website Electric Literature. I've been reading that site since high school, and to contribute to it is such an honor. So link in the description as well as on our Twitter and Facebook. As with everything we do, our whole point of the article and our show, really, is that role-playing games are for everyone, and everyone can and should give them a try. If you think that's true also, we would love for you to take a second and review us on Apple Podcasts. That helps us show up on search results and allow other people to find the show. Open up iTunes on your computer or the Apple Podcasts app on your iPhone, search for Join the Party, and say something nice about us. We really, truly appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening. Now, let's get back to the show. The official champion ceremony is going to happen this evening. So you still have a few hours to like put yourselves together, clean yourselves off, do whatever you need to do. You've been upgraded from your bunk room with the three bunk beds. So you all have your own room now. All of our stuff has been moved there, including yes. Oatcake has been moved. To yes, Amanda's. yes, yes. Oatcake is lolling in your room. You all, I mean, you're all next to each other, but you all have your own rooms now. Adjoining suites. Nice. Classy. So I'm going to greet O'Cake enthusiastically and give her good tummy rubs for being a good, good girl and waiting for me. Do you want to um, roll for tummy rubs? If you will recall, I have a plus one to tummy rubs because I have proficiency one. in it. Yeah. So yes, I will. Uh, that is an eight plus one for nine. I got to say that the DC for tummy rubs is very low. Yeah. So you succeed on tummy is rubs. Is the DC for tummy rubs a zero? It's like four. Okay, good. <laughs> and then I want to look at the shirts that I stole from Captain Alex. Like the cowl's cool and I'm going to put it down. But mostly I want to see what my new wardrobe choices are here. So one, if I recall correctly, was the sailing school. Is that right? Yeah. They're both these oversized t-shirts. Oh, yeah. One is... Salty, faded. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> one is Antopolis Sailing School. Nice. One of their like athletic tees. And the other one you unfurl, this looks like a merch tee. Like you get it like at a, at a band or like some big event. And it says, I got punched by El Duende and all I got was a black eye and this t-shirt. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to fold that one up and put it back in my pack. And I'm going to put on the sailing school t-shirt as I lounge in my room, hanging out with oat cake and looking out the window. 
And then as the sun is starting to set and I sense that time is coming, I'm going to get dressed in my travel gear and, you know, clean it all up, wash it off, make sure that I look as presentable as possible. And as I'm getting dressed, I am going to put the cloak that I got from Cole on over my traveling gear. And I realize I never actually investigated the cloak at all. So can I do a like investigation or arcana check on it? Okay, yeah, sure. Do an, arca- do an arcana check on the cloak. Oh, that's a five. Okay. Yeah, this thing's magical, and you realize that the patches are have been sewn on, but you don't really know what it does. Can I investigate the patches specifically? Uh, pick one. I would like to investigate the lantern. Okay. For our Canada, that's an 18. Okay. You'd start to peel the patch off a little bit, just a little bit, not to actually peel it all the way off. But you realize that you can, if you gave it a good tug, it would come off. And you get the sense that this is iconography. If you pulled the patch off, you have a good feeling that this lantern would probably turn into a lantern. Hmm. Okay. So I'm going to put it on and pack my bag up. I don't know if we're leaving today or tomorrow or what. So I want to make sure that I'm all packed and ready to go. And to hold the cloak closed over my tunic, I'm going to use my pin that was given to us by the speaker. Tracy's just going to go back into his room, enjoy a little solitude, do some of the Tai Chi movements that he <laughs> usually does in the morning, reserves for the morning. But he wants to take the time to reflect and really prep himself and be ready for what he's about to do. Tracy, as you're meditating and thinking about what's going on, I want you to make a con save for me. Uh, I got a non-natural 20. Okay. As you're meditating, you feel a little bit strange. You feel like you're at like one with your body in a way that you haven't thought about before. And you kind of feel like how all of your parts fit together as you're reflecting. You feel like the glove, how it fits under your hand, which is attached to a joint in your wrist, and your arm is attached to the rest of your body. And you realize that your torso is not the same piece of machinery as your switch. The switch was actually, your remembering was grafted onto you. This wasn't like a normal part of you as it started. And as you think about it, If you could gain some sort of power over the switch, it would feel just as much like having a new arm that you could move. It's like a different part of your body. As you make that realization, I'm going to say that one of your three rages, you can turn on yourself. Tracy extends his right arm as far as he can to his right side. His left arm he brings over his head and back down to the center of his body and takes a deep breath in. As Johnny walks up to his room, he casts all the prestidigitation spells to clean himself and dry himself and feel more normal after that long storm. He sits into his room digs through his pack to find the necessary rope to attach the lantern to the quarterstaff so that he can use it as a walking stick to help guide him and light him. And then he puts it down in front of him and he is going to meditate for a little bit to try to see how many questions he can 
seek guidance or answers from the undying light. Sure thing. I would say you have about three hours, and I'm going to say that for every question, you have to roll the 1d4. 1d4. Interesting. Okay. I got one. All right, cool. I got two. All right, there you go. That's it. That's three hours. So you have three hours. You can ask two questions. Oh, okay. Johnny uh, sits staring at the light, cross-legged, hands kind of clasped together. Normally when he meditates, he closes his eyes, but now he has something that he wants to look at because in his mind before he would remember the undying light, but now he can see it. So he just focuses and in his eyes, it's as if the room disappears and it's just that lantern and that spark of the undying light. As you stare at the lantern, you actually draw the light out of the lantern and the orb of light grows to its full size, shrinks down and kind of settles somewhere in the middle and just floats in front of you. And without speaking, I have just one question in my head. Have I, to the best of my ability, lived my life to spread positivity and the light? You meditate for an hour, and as the hour ticks by, you feel a soft voice from somewhere inside you say, Yes. Will we be able to overcome the challenges we face in the coming days? You meditate for another hour, and you still don't have another answer. And you kind of look at the sun gliding across the sky, and you decide that you're going to wait for another hour. And as that second hour goes by, staring at the lantern, the same voice inside you says... It has not yet been foretold. Johnny, I want you to make a dex roll for me. Twelve? As you're sitting there meditating, at the end, right after the light answers your second question, you get hit in the head with your lamp. You have a lamp, (laughs) like a standing lamp in the corner, and it hits you right in the head. And you take five damage. Okay, uh, (laughs) I'm at eight? eight. Eight. As you kind of whip around and look around, make a perception roll for me. Only an 11. Nah, you don't see anything. And oh yeah, this counts as a short rest. So everyone roll your hit die and you're going to add that plus your con. Your girl got an eight. Only six. I <laughs> this, isn't, this ain't great. All right, how many hit points do you all have? I got a eight plus three for an 11 hit points. So what are you total? I think I'm full up. 47. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, I'm at a 14. Question, we didn't go through this before. <laughs> I've, I'm net plus one health here. 31. You've been at total the whole time? Yeah. Okay, no. cool. And ours great. Nice. Rubbing my head from the wound of the lamp, cursing the, the wind. The wound of the lamp. Cursing the wind, I touch the glass pane of the light and close my eyes and ask the undying light to help me as I am... Not as uh, healthy as I normally should be. All right. Make your 1d8 plus your your spellcasting modifier. I rolled a five and that's plus six for an 11. Cool. All right. I want you to make a con save for me. Uh, well, that's a crit fail. It's a crit fail? Okay. 
I don't want to say Johnny, it. as you have your hands on the lantern, you feel just like enveloped in light. And it's really strong. You've never been this close to actually the undying light before. And it actually makes you kind of sick in a way that you've never felt before. And how many spell slots do you have left? Uh, I believe I have only one. Yeah, you lose it. Okay. <laughs> Could have been okay. worse, y'all. Could have been worse. I mean, I have my cantrips, but that's fair. One of the guards comes up to you, all of your rooms, knocks on your door, and leads you down the stairs to the back lawn. As Johnny's walking down, he takes the pin from his bag, and he uh, puts it on his belt. Like one would put the little thing that you put your cell phone in. Holster thing? The, belt the clip. Self, belt like a belt clip, uh, cell phone belt clip. <sighs> He puts wow, that, that took me right back to the early aughts. Ultimate dad. I'm, Ultimate I'm, dad. I'm going Seriously. all in on dad. Sure Seriously. Though. All right, you get led to the back lawn, and they whipped up a ceremony very quickly. There are chairs out on the lawn, and people who you've seen before, Nectarias and Kikos, people from the wedding, have come back. You notice that the Kikos and the Nectarias are actually separated, which is a little weird. You don't see Greg anywhere, but it's a bunch of people, and, you know, it's all really nice, like... The tree line is picturesque behind it, and you get hustled by the guards into the front of all of the chairs. And you kind of like pointed to your marks. And as you look around, you see behind you, up a big flight of stairs, is another large platform where the speaker, Sylvanas Kiko, and Alonzo are standing up there, kind of like milling about before the ceremony and there are a few guards up there as well there's a lot of pomp and circumstance for something that they threw together in a few hours there's like a band it's the same band from before and now they're playing like standard like government music lots of trumpets as we're walking towards the podium i outstretch my arms and cast dancing lights to create four globes of light that are changing colors to help add to the pomp and circumstance of the entire event Alonzo knows that's your cue, so he runs over to the edge of the balcony on the platform and waves to all three of you. And he, the speaker kind of like puckers her face because she's trying to just take care of the ceremony. She just like waves it on like, all right, fine. Tracy waves a little too enthusiastically back at Alonzo. <laughs> Standard fare, of course. <laughs> Inara's ignoring the situation and <laughs> trying to discern what the situation is between the Nectarians and the Kikos. Can I try to read into their body language, their seating, what the current feeling is between the families? Sure, roll an insight. That's an eight. What's wrong with my dice, man? <laughs> you know what? I spent it on the sandboarding. That, that's what happens. That's true. Yeah, the crowd, I mean, they're kind of, they just don't look happy with each other. Just kind of like grumbling and staying off to either one of their sides. All right. So you all get into your places right in the front, and the speaker begins. I understand that this is the second uh, ceremony that we've all been together for, but I think that is certainly worth it for us to be here for young Alonzo. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, well. So as you've known, uh, Alonzo has been chosen to be the champion on behalf of the concentric states, taking on the mantle from his great-great-great-grandfather and his father's namesake, Sylvanus Kiko. And everyone claps, uh, except for the Nectarius, they don't clap. 
from anyone who's been around the grounds today knows, our uh, security team for the champions have passed their test, the first passing of the test in 200 years. Uh, special thanks to Inara, Johnny, and Trey. She looks down at a card. Tracer. And everyone claps again. It's Tracy! Oh, I'm, so, I'm sorry, Tra Tracy. Tracy. Uh, they've all been given uh, pins of the realm, and they've given defender items uh, for all of this. And so now, um, our, our champion, Alonzo, has something to say. And... Whoop! <laughs> a single whoop comes out of the crowd. Alonzo gets up to the front of the balcony and says, Um... I'd like, uh... You know, I just really want to do a good job. Uh, I know that things aren't so great everywhere, but, um... I guess the best we can do is our best. And I'll do that. Anara, please make a perception check for me. That's a nat 20. One of the people in the back of the audience looks really suspicious to you. And as you remember your training with the captain of the guard, you're seeing this guy looks really suspicious. He's short. He's a little bit shifty. He keeps looking over his shoulder. And with your nat 20, you see a hint of red underneath his shirt. I'm going to lean over and whisper to Tracy and Johnny, guys, there's a red throat in the back of the chairs down there. What do we do? Before they have a chance to answer, I look around and try to see if there is a shadow near me. Is there a shadow near me? So it's actually sunset. So with the way that the sun is coming over the castle, there's actually a very large shadow has cast itself over the entire grounds. I want to duck down and teleport to right behind that red throat using my shadow cowl. You feel like you get sucked into the ground. It's like you're on a giant water slide. And then all of a sudden you pop up and you are behind this guy. I want to press my dagger to his throat and whisper, if you make a move, this will be the end of you. I'm going to give you advantage on intimidation. Well, I'm glad because the first one was a crit fail. Um, so my successful roll is a 14. Okay. The guy in your hand freezes and you actually see two more in the crowd turn around and look at you. And you realize that they also have the hints of red on them. I have more friends in this crowd than you know. Tell your men to stand down and no one needs to get killed right now. The guy in your hand tenses up a little bit, sighs, and screams, Go! The two guys stand up, pull their bows, and fire at Alonzo. Alonzo, the speaker, and Sylvanas hit the deck. Everyone starts to scream. And this is how this is going to go. The red throats are attacking the ceremony. And the goal is to get to the balcony that Alonzo is on. You got to protect this dude. As a group, I'm going to give you one minute in real time to come up with a battle plan for everything that gets thrown out of you. You all get to do one standard action or check per character. And it's all going to be simultaneous. Imagine this like an action movie or like a turn-based RPG. Like you are all gonna act at the same time. And if you're successful, you're gonna move on to the next stage. But if you're not successful, you're gonna, stuff is gonna happen. I'm not gonna tell you the number of challenges, but you're gonna go through. I'm also gonna tell you that your goal ultimately is to get to Alonzo. 
So you don't necessarily have to kill everybody, but you gotta get through this thing and eliminate the challenge. I'm also gonna say that one person needs to take the lead on each one. So like, one of you needs to be at the forefront for all of these things. The first challenge, you have to figure out how to neutralize the three men in the crowd. I'm gonna put one minute on the clock. Three, two, one, go. I absolutely think that Tracy has to go and literally be bodyguard because he has the most health and AC of us to Alonzo. Yeah, just stand in front of him. I am not planning to kill this guy, but I'm going to take my dagger across his throat and hope it's a shallow cut. If it's not, that's too bad. And I'm going to run after the next guy in the crowd. That's who's nearest me. Yeah, I'm going to run towards Alonzo and I want to uh, blow my help horn and try to get Stoneface and his bobblades over here. Great. So hopefully I'm kind of near one of them because I can, shillelagh is a bonus action. So I'm going to be able to actually just later be able to hit with a yes. shillelagh. But right now I'm going to want a sacred flame one of these guys and that just surrounds them in fire doing damage and also surrounds them with a flame-like radiance. Wait, we're in a crowd. But it only surrounds an individual. Okay. That's the good news. Great. So you're going to do that to the guy closest to you. I'm going to run after the guy closest to me after I try to incapacitate the one I'm holding. And I'm going to shillelagh so that eventually if I have to physically attack someone, yep. it does extra damage. All right. Good. Let's make the rolls. Anara, you're going to have a sneak attack advantage. So make the roll on his AC. So my attack roll is an eight. I'm going to say that even with it in your hands, he wrenches himself free, but you do get him with the dagger. So that's 1d4 plus 3 per dagger. So that's 5 and 4. Okay. Um, and then add 2d6 for sneak attack. A 6 and a 4. Sure. Uh, so it's 10 plus 9 for a 19 total. Yeah, you definitely slash him a little bit, and he gets out of there. He's looking bad, but not definitely not neutralized. Johnny, hit him with Sacred Flame. So the first thing actually is a bonus action of Shillelagh emanating from the Lantern. And then I point my core staff at the closest Dreadthroat gang member and cast Sacred Flame. The target has to succeed a dex saving throw. Great. Ooh, yeah, he does not succeed. <laughs> that is 1d8 radiant damage for a 7 plus 4 for 11 damage. All right, that guy gets toasted. He's down and out. He was not expecting you to light him on fire, so he's neutralized. Uh, for a help horn, make a charisma roll, Tracy. 15. Uh, you blow the help horn and sound rings out over the field, but nothing happens immediately. And then I'm going to run towards Alonzo with my shield in front of me. Cool. All right. The one red throat with the bow and the one red throat you just slashed both run away from you and pull out bows. And one is going to shoot at Anara and one is going to shoot at Johnny. Anara, I got 18 against your AC. My AC is a 14. All right. So you take six damage. Okay. And Johnny? Then non-natural 20. I mean, I have a 13, so. All right. You also get six. That's a good thing I did that heal. All right. I'm going to put another one minute on the clock. Go. So now that Tracy is protecting Alonzo, I think the important part is that we kill these guys. For sure. I'm able to either Eldritch Blast because everyone's down or do just another Sacred Flame and hit this guy. What are you going to do? I'm going to use my longbow and shoot right back at him. Is there anything you want to specifically do, Tracy? I can throw a dagger, but I don't know if that would be like interrupting my movement. I mean, you're running and it would be pretty far away. Yeah, that's what I thought. I don't honestly don't really have anything else. I, I think you, down I think you just Alonzo. need to get to, to Alonzo and protect him. I'm going to stand over him. Either Eldritch Brass or Sacred. Is there anyone who would be in the way, Eric? No, everyone's running. Out. The crowd is scattered. So Great, I prefer let's do to it, Johnny. do that. Yeah, okay. I prefer to do that. Okay. All right, I'm going to say, Tracy, if you're continuing to run, there's this big flight of stairs. What I say is about 60 feet. So you've made it to the stairs and now you are on the stairs. Okay. Do you want to go up the stairs or do you want to stay at the bottom? I want to go up the stairs. Okay, let's see. It's very long, so you're in the middle of the stairs. Okay. 
I just got a nat 20 on my longbow attack. You send an arrow right this guy's stomach and he's down. Okay. Two neutralized. I'm going to make a long arc around the remaining foe, knowing that Johnny's about to try something that has a, a large radiant damage, and run toward the stairs. Cool. I'm going to cast Eldritch Blast on the remaining bow dude. Cool. Woof. That's a nine. Yeah, that Eldritch Blast swings off to the side and goes into the trees. Okay. All right. This challenge is over. Out of the tree line, you hear the stomping of hooves that you remember from before. And there are two centaurs with one halfling riding on its back and the other halfling that was sprinting away then hops on the other one's back and circle you up. And every time you try to jump and get out of the way, they feel like there's a centaur in front of you. As the centaurs are rounding you all up, Anari, you kind of get taken off your path as you're running towards the stairs. And Johnny and Anari, you're now within 10 feet of each other and being encircled by the centaurs. I put one minute on the clock and go. If no one has a good idea, I'm just going to sacred flame one of these guys because it's just a deck save for them. Otherwise, do you, either of you want the empowering? Either of you need or want that? No. Not, can I use my shadow thing again or is it once a day? No, once a day. Actually, no. I'm going to sacred flame the guy with the bow because that's the immediate danger for Alonzo. And I'm going to shoot my longbow at one of the centaurs. And I'm going to keep running. It's a good cardio. Yeah, that's, cool. that's yeah. Sure. All right. Anara, roll first. 19 plus 5 for 24. Oh, yeah, you hit the the centaur right in the meat of the stomach, and the centaur has trouble keeping its footing and is not able to circle up anymore. Should I roll damage? Yeah. So my 1d8 is a 6 plus 3 for a 9, and because the centaur hasn't taken a turn yet, I get advantage, right? Yeah. That's a 4 plus a 6 for a 10. Oh, dang. So in total, it's 18. You take the thing out. The centaur can't keep its footing and falls over. I'm going to cast a Sacred Flame on the other centaur. They need to succeed a dex saving throw. Okay. I got a natural 20. Oh, wow. Okay, sure. As the centaur is galloping past you, you fire the Sacred Bolt at it, and it misses off to the left and hits a tree, and it explodes. Tracy's going to continue running up the flights of stairs. Yeah, so now you're up next to Alonzo, up at the top, and you can see the entire battlefield as it is now in front of you. So I run up to Alonzo, and I kind of cover him, push him down to the ground, and cover both of us with my shield. Okay, that's great. Tracy, up that high, you hear flapping. I love flapping. And there's a buzzing sound. And as you look up, you see Stoneface and six Bumblades are dive-bombing towards the centaurs. And Stoneface yells out, Hey, if you mess with my crew, you mess with me! Let's go, team! And he and two of the Bumblades full-on tackle the centaur, and that thing is taken out. Challenge completed. Yes. The halfling that was riding on top of the centaur that Anara messed up hops off and pulls a flute out of his bag. And he plays the flute, and a swarm of birds dives out of the tree line. Now, these birds are nothing that you've seen before. They actually have the same look as a bumblebee, but instead of white, they're black. And instead of the proboscis mouths that the bumblebees have, these things have giant, shiny teeth. There are six of them come out of the tree line. Four of them dive at Anara and Johnny, and two of them go towards the balcony. I'm going to put one minute on the clock. Your challenge is to deal with these things. Go ahead. I'm going to shoot the halfling that's playing the flute 
to see if that stops or if he animates the birds or sends them away, but you should blast them, Johnny. I mean, yeah, I'm going to... Hope you roll better. It'll be Eldritch or Sacred Flame. I'll try an Eldritch you blast. you just want to shoot at it? Or do you want to... You have any range of action that you can do for these challenges. How close am I to this halfling playing the flute? You're about 20 feet away. Yeah, I'm going to shoot my longbow at him. Tracy, what are you going to do? I'm going to ready an action to pull out my great axe and get ready to recklessly attack these birds as they dive. Sure. Because that is my first attack. And I'm going to be last. I'm going to go after Anargos. If that doesn't stop everything, I'm going to Eldritch Blast as many as you'll let me, which will probably just be one. And I'm going to stand a little bit behind you so you get dive bomb first. All right, cool. Go ahead, Nora. 14 plus 5 for a 19. All right, you hit the halfling square in the leg. I got a D8, 8 plus 3 for an 11. Okay. You hit this halfling in the leg, but he does not stop playing the flute. Well, then I'd like to attack this halfling. I'll do an Eldritch Blast at the halfling. All right. Go ahead. That is a 15. Yeah, it hits him. And this is a 1D10 force plus charisma times. That is a 9 plus 4 for a 13. You blast this guy, and he is looking real bad, but he does not stop playing the flute. He is holding onto this thing for dear life. Chris, what are you doing? Uh, can I attack or too far away? They're 30 feet away. Okay, so I'm going to ready my action, pull out my great axe, and just, like, stand in a uh, pose ready to uh, swipe at these things. Cool. Each of these messed up bombolates are going to dive at each one of you. The two messed up bombolates are diving at you, but they roll both roll below your AC. So I'm going to duck and they miss me. Yeah, they totally, they totally whiff. Johnny, one really comes right at you and actually hits the ground right in front of you and messes itself up. But the other one, as you're watching that happen, hits you right in the chest with a tackle. And hits you for six damage and knocks you prone. Tracy, the two messed up bombolates dive right at you. And you're going to take a swing at both of them? Yeah, but I'm going to flip my axe edge. So I'm actually just hitting them with like the flat end. Okay. Tracy so loves animals. Blunt. We'll make it bludgeoning damage. I roll at him. 17 plus 5 for a 22. Oh, hell yeah. I'm going to say you hit both of them out of the air. And those yes. things, those two things hit the ground. Good work. Great job. There are three messed up bombolates still flying around. One hit the ground right in front of you. Tracy just took out two of them. You have three. One minute on the clock. And where are they in relation to us? They're just in the air? They're flying around. And they're just a literal distance from us? Five feet up within 15 feet. I'm going to blind these guys then. I mean, my worry is not blinding myself or Inara, but I'm going to blind these guys because they are in the air. I'm going to attempt to disengage and run at, again, the halfling that apparently will not die, and I'm going to try to grab the flute out of his hand and snap it over my knee. Eric, I need a lay of the land. Is there a ceiling? Is there a roof? Is there a building next to me? Is like, What's the environment? No, this is like a raised platform. This was like made for this ceremony. And there are the stairs. That go up. Is there any buildings within 30 feet of me? Yeah, the castle. Is it within 30 feet? Yeah. Can I grapple and try to like... Uh... Who are you grappling? There's no one to grapple. I want to shoot my... Tell are you, like, you going to hold Alonzo like a baby on your chest and grapple yourself up the wall? I was going to, yeah, shoot my hand over to the castle wall and try to go over there. Is Hell that possible yeah. with this thing? Yeah, let's try it. Okay. All right, cool. That's You're going to Batman this thing. All yeah, right. thank you. Batman who wants it. to go? All right, who wants to go first? I will. Okay. So I'm going to run over to the halfling and try to grab the flute out of his hand. Okay, you run over chairs and, like, hop over. And this thing, I mean, this halfling is very, very hurt, but it is still, like, holding on for dear life onto this 
flute. But I'm going to give you advantage because this thing is so messed up. Uh, I got a 12 initially. And then I crit fail, so a 12. Yeah, you rip the flute out of its hands. I'm going to smash it over my knee. Okay. Snap it too. So I want you to make a, another strike check for this. I'll give you athletics too. So 14 straight. I mean, you don't break it, but you did take it out of its hands. And you try to snap it over your knee and you make a crack in it. But the more important thing is it's not playing it anymore. And all the messed up bumblets look really, really confused. I slam my quarterstaff down and point it towards the messed up bumblets flying in the air and to myself think, blind. A blinding light goes off. And I'm going to give them all disadvantage because they're messed up from not having any direction from the flute. Oh, yeah, they all fail real bad. And they're blinded. <laughs> they try to fly away, and they all kind of hit each other all at the same time. Johnny, I want you to make another concept. Not 20. Not 20. Okay, you feel like you're interacting with this thing for the first time, and you feel a little overcome. But you kind of you brush it off, and you feel good. And you see all three of the messed up bomblates run into each other and you left yourself. Tracy, do it. What are you going to do? I'm going to scoop up Alonzo into my arms, hold out my right arm with the long arm of the law on it, and aim it towards the nearest precipice on the castle and try to grapple over there, uh, Inspector Gadget style. Let's first try to see Dex. if you grab the wall, and then we'll see if you grab Alonzo. Six plus one for seven. You cast this thing as far as you can, and the hand at the end of the long arm of the law tries to grab onto the building and it just does not latch on. Would you say that the long arm of the law overreached itself? I would probably say that, yes. You did it. The bombolates are all messed up. All six of them. They're all messed up. You see three guys come from the other side of the castle, and they all have their red throat gang bandanas on, and they are hoofing it up the stairs. And they're going right for Alonzo. Put one minute on the clock and go. All right, so immediately I can do two things. I can, like, try to barricade the staircase with some chairs, or I can try to make my grapple again to the castle. I think I like the idea of you grappling, because if we can get... Or go into a rage and just barrel down the stairs with my shield in front of me and knock everyone down. Will my ball bearings have disadvantage on the grass? Or can I use them? Yeah, probably. I think regardless of what you want to do, I'm going to empower you to make it easier for you to do it. Please do. I would also say, Anara, if you manage to throw them onto the stairs, that might work. Okay, great. I'll do that. So first thing I'm going to do is going to empower you, Tracy. Is that an action? Curious. That's my action is to empower you, apparently. So you're done with that. That's your turn. That would be my turn is to direct the light to that. Cool. Is Stoneface back from his dive? I would love to give the marbles to him to drop on the stairs. Yeah, we can do that. Dang, one minute is up. Hell yeah, let's do it. Who wants to go first? I'll go first. Okay. I'm going to call over to Stoneface, who hopefully has recovered from dive-bombing that centaur and the halfling. Yeah, the other bombolates have scattered, but Stoneface has picked himself up and even, like, shook off his wings from all the crap that he got in it. And he's like, yeah, what do you need? Let's do it. Stoneface, Stoneface, come here. And I pull the ball bearings that I have out of my pack, and I hold them up over my head so he can come and grab them. Come and take this pouch and upend it over the stairs if the Red Throat Gang gets that far to trip them up as they're trying to run up the stairs. Okay, you got it, boss. And he grabs him and he starts to fly over to the stairs. I direct the Lantern of the Undying Light towards Tracy and I think to myself, give him strength and I am going to empower him, adding a 1d6 to whatever he wants to do with it. The light flies out of the lantern and actually the light touches you on the side and Tracy, you glow a nice magenta. Beautiful. 
so I am going to throw Alonzo to the edge of the balcony, as far away from the staircase as possible. I'm gonna take a slow, deep breath in, put my shield in front of me, activate my one self-rage, and barrel down the staircase. Here's what I'm gonna say. Johnny, I want you to make a perception roll. It's an eight plus two for a 10. Okay. Johnny, you look over to the three guys hoofing it up the stairs. Two of them don't really see Tracy and just keep running towards Alonzo, but one of them stops like he's trying to hear something and he stops running and he starts to back away down the stairs. Tracy, I think something's gonna happen. (laughs) Pay attention. All right, Tracy. So the two guys are cresting over the stairs. Why don't you run at them? I run at them. Do it just like a melee attack. I rolled a seven plus three for a 10, and then I add Johnny six. That's a three. So three, so 13. All right, you go into full on rage mode. Are you leading with your shield? What are you doing? Yeah, I'm just trying to like, uh, kind of like a bowling ball, just like knock these guys off the stairs. I'd say with a 13, you actually throw yourself down the stairs. Like you leave your feet and you knock these guys down and you all kind of are all tumbling down the stairs together. You don't take any damage, but you're definitely rolling down the stairs. And those two guys are taken out. A third one who stopped see you coming down and is backing away and like jumps off to the side, like up on the railing and misses the bowling ball of Tracy and these two thugs. Is there a screen that pops up with a fun little animation based on the results of this uh, Got like a, a split! <laughs> yes. And it's a banana that gets cut in half. Yeah. Or, like a weird face of someone none of us recognize because like we're someone, not 100 someone, years old. Someone getting punched and they only have two teeth left in their whole yeah, mouth. Exactly, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like yeah, a yeah, split! Yeah. And then Stoneface drops the ball bearings right behind the third thug. He does not see what's happening and falls backwards on his butt and he is taken out. So that split then gets another animation on top of it where it's like the banana falls off and it's someone says, spare. Nice. Nice. And you have accomplished all four challenges. Congratulations. Hey, that was very stressful. (laughs) Tracy, you pick yourself up after barreling down the staircase and your danger sense just goes off and you're looking around for what's going to happen next. Johnny and Nara, you're also on high alert, and you hear a horn ring out. And out of the trees, you see just a mob of Red Throat Gang members. They all have their red bandanas on. They all look angry, and they are all running towards the platform. Alonzo is surrounded by his semicircle of guards, and he can't really see what's going on, so he finally pushes them out of the way and gets to the front of the balcony, and looks at the mob that's running towards him. He leans over the balcony and looks at everything that's happened. The audience that had assembled before, his family is just running scared, and there are bodies surrounding all of you, of just people you've taken out in order to defend him. And he looks out at the mob running towards him, and he screams, You want me? You want to take home a champion? Well, here I am! Just come and take me! And at that point, the medallion starts to spin and glow and spin faster and faster and faster. And right in the field where the mob of halflings are running, the air is filled with spinning daggers, each one gleaming in the fading light. They spin and cut down each one. Some run right into the blades, 
the rest of them just scatter into the back of the woods and just go. Alonzo falls to his hands and knees. His breathing is ragged and labored, and he looks down, and now the medallion has stopped spinning. He doesn't remember when it started or how long, but he climbs up on the railing and turns to Tracy at the bottom of the stairs and says, What what happened? Where did they go? And he looks over to where the fallen Redthroat gang are, and a pool of red is just spreading through where they were in the back lawn. No. Where they were... I mean, that was me. I'm responsible. I did that. All three of you look up in the sky that is darkening into twilight. And you look up at the constellation that started this entire mess. And you see another star wink out. Three hang in the sky. Join the Party is brought to you by Brandon Grugel, Amanda McLaughlin, Michael Fichet, and me, Eric Silver. I am your host and game master. Brandon edits, mixes, and scores the show. Amanda manages our community and our digital life. And Michael archives, manual checks, and cartographs our world. Special thanks to our creative consultants, Connor McLaughlin, Julia Shafini, and Hetty Hunt. The party doesn't stop here. The day after every episode comes out, we publish the after party where we sit down to discuss what just happened and learn what could have happened. Send us your questions anytime. Join our community online by following at JoinThePartyPod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We've also got every episode up on our website, jointhepartypod.com. And you can email us questions or stories anytime at hello at jointhepartypod.com. If you're enjoying this ride as much as we are, help the show out by subscribing to us in iTunes and leaving a quick rating. For even more Join the Party goodness, check out our Patreon. Just a few dollars will get you access to drawings, character backstories, bloopers, and so much more at patreon.com slash jointhepartypod. We'll see you in two weeks. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here.